Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Here we go. Okay. We are just recording and we're live and it's exciting. And that means anything we say or do can be held against us in the court of the Hardcore Marketing Show. And I'm excited to get started. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. She is a leader and a thought leader in the marketing space, specifically around SEO. And her her wizard cap is, I believe it's white. Would you say it's white or gray? Uh, it's white. <laughs> it's white. Yeah. It's a, which means she is doing it the right way and she's not breaking any rules to get there. Uh, <laughs> and of the people that know SEO really well, who I like and trust, uh, probably fits on one hand. And, and this guest is one of them. Podcast host of the Digital Marketing Victories show, founder and chief strategist at WO Strategies, Catherine Ong. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I think you should have more female SEOs on this show. Then maybe you'd have more that you like. I think we start a trend. I, th- <laughs> I think the trend starts now. And yeah. I'm glad to learn from you today. My, my thinking cap is on. I've got caffeine surrounding me. I've got two forms of caffeine actually surrounding me. And I'm going to pass you this thing. Ugh. Okay, here you go. <laughs> oh my God. You got it? You All got right. It? Okay, grab it. There we go. Okay, yeah. Uh. Got Perfect. It. Now, take <laughs> Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Uh, my big one is that a lot of people think federal websites.govs don't need SEO. Federal websites, government websites don't need SEO. Why? Because they're the government. Yeah. I, I was in a forum once getting some feedback about something related to one of the federal websites I was working on. And somebody's like, that is a waste of our taxpayer dollars. I was like, no, not having an SEO is a waste of your taxpayer dollars. Right. <laughs> they don't have any magical fairy dust to rank. They they end up ranking for a lot of things because they're authoritative and people link to them. But there's no magic um, behind the scenes. So is that probably the, the sort of cause of why people think that I mean, they, they just assume that Google is just going to make them rank. And so- yeah, I don't think, I mean, I had a chance to work on a brand new .gov. So I know definitively they don't wow. get any magic treatment. You have to build up your authority just like any other website from the beginning if you start with a brand new .gov. Hmm. You know, and I guess what's cool about this is that can be just such a, an interesting experiment or like a lab to figuring it out especially it's new, it's new, it's got funding. So you can put weight behind it and you can do all the things right and then hopefully see it climb. So what what have you seen from, from working with these federal websites that start from scratch? There's no ranking whatsoever. Well, so not all, of, I've worked with three, not, not all of them are from scratch. So I built the digital strategy for healthit.gov. So that one we built from scratch and the whole initiative for health and human services uh, office of the national coordinator. That was like a whole brand new thing. Right. Multiple years ago, talking about electronic medical records, right. And electronic health records. Um, so we had a whole campaign, but the .gov was brand new. Um, we redirected a little bit of the office website to this brand new dot domain, but we saw it sit in the sandbox for a couple of months. 
until you started. That's the Google, like basically Google doesn't rank you until they know that you're not sketchy. Um, So it sat without getting any traffic for a couple of months. And then as we started kicking off what you would call content marketing. So we had like these content arrangements with the liver foundation to do a story about how people with liver cancer can be benefited by an EHR kind of thing. And then they promote it and et cetera. It's like one of those plans that started building some backlinks, but yeah, I, so I've done link building for a federal website, which is why I'm very white hat because that stuff is foyable. <laughs> like yeah. all of our email records were saved for three years. So you don't do anything. It's sketchy in that sort of arrangement. And right. then the other two, I worked with cancer.gov and they brought me on board because they had lost traffic. And they wanted to figure out why. And they also had no SEO. Um, and then uh, Fisheries Division of NOAA redesigned without an SEO on board and lost traffic and brought me in to figure out why. Yeah, you know, so different I, scenarios, but. Yeah, but interesting scenarios. And I think it also uncovers another myth around you're not going to, you're only going to get more traffic. But oh, no, no, no. You, <laughs> all of the federal websites. It. They they all just so they had an initiative where everybody had to go secure right HTTPS from HTTP, mm-hmm. um, and they all did it incorrectly because they didn't know how to do it correctly. I guess from Google's perspective, or I wouldn't say all, but I've looked at I don't know maybe a dozen, maybe twenty, um, and they've all done the the ones I've looked at have all been incorrectly. So they you have to do it's a pain, but you have to do a three one redirect from the HTTP version of the URL to the HTTPS. That is like the little string. Imagine for two each and every one, or can you like wild for each card? and every one? It's super painful because oh Google goodness. will follow the pin where it knew it used to be that URL, and then follow the string to the new pin, and then give most of the equity and ranking of the old thing to the new via the string between these two pins. So if you don't have that three and one redirect in place, Google has no idea where to find your new thing. So instead of taking all the equity from the old thing, it has to start all over, find your new page all over, brand new page, mm. no equity. And start ranking it from the beginning instead of taking all this history that you had and applying it to the new one. And all the feds did that. All of them that I've looked at. They all just moved over. They didn't. They just basically, it's envision it like they just published a new website on HTTPS. um, And they never told Google the old thing is moving to the new. Wow. Yeah. They lost traffic. A lot of traffic, I bet, right? I mean, was it essentially like starting over by doing that? Yeah. I mean, you're so, you still have equity to your homepage. You obviously, homepage. well, yeah, the ones I worked with didn't change. But it's change. a new homepage too, right? It, I mean, now. Well, design wise, but at least the URL didn't change. Um, right. So, right. And a lot of the links are to the homepage. So that, that stayed stable, but yeah, intense amounts of traffic loss. And then when fisheries redesigned, it's like kind of, it's a long story, but the developers said they knew SEO. I've met two developers in my 18 year history that know SEO. And one's my brother who's been listening to me talk about SEO for a long time. Um, and I'd love to meet more, <laughs> but you know, if you're a developer, you have a lot of stuff to stay on top of just related to web development and SEO, like Google changes the algorithm nine times a day, <laughs> kind of have to specialize in it. Um, so yeah, they said they knew SEO and they didn't have anybody on board that knew anything about SEO. And so they did all sorts of strange things. They migrated all these subdomains without the three one redirect stuff and then instead of um, they developed this sort of tab situation that Google couldn't find stuff. So I mean, wow. ultimately, in all of those instances, I find some, especially on these big websites where developers do something and Google can't get to the content. So it's great content. It would rank without yep. really any effort, but Google can't even get to it for various Jeez. reasons. 
And and for the record, anyone listening that is a dev that actually knows SEO, feel free to reach out. Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> and make that number go to three. Because people ask me sometimes, like, do you know a dev who's like, you know, so I, I've got two and my brother has a full-time job and it's not, <laughs> right? it's not development actually. It's, or it's VOX, but he's not taking on freelance stuff. So, you know. Okay. Well, you know, I think really I've, I've often found that I learn more from messing up and doing things wrong or learning about or hearing other people doing it wrong than even when you do it right. Like you do it right, this, the traffic's growing somehow, it's just working, you know, lucky you. But when you hear about these redirects are not happening or, or no indexing, these are great learning lessons, right? Yeah. I mean, your life, because I spent a lot of my life doing technical SEO and your life as a technical SEO is often like, wow, I've never seen that before. <laughs> what is that? Why is it doing that? Um, so I, I had an academic journal, also a big website, authoritative. You would think it would rank well in Google. And when I finished the audit, it turns out they had what's called a crawl trap, which basically means the the spider, all the search engines have spiders or bots that crawl the web. Spider web crawling. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so they have these bots <laughs> that crawl the web and they have to actually get through your website, link to link to link to link to find the stuff to put it back in the index or the database, right? Yeah. Um, so if they can't find it or they get lost when they're finding it, then you could have content that just never gets put in Google's database, it's indexed. Um, so in this instance, they had a relative link causing infinite number of new pages being created. And none of them were triggering 404s. So like the poor little crawler just got stuck. So we fixed that one thing. And this journal website saw almost 30,000 keywords ranking Google page one within a month. Almost 10,000 Google page one. How, how does yeah, that Yeah, I mean, good stuff. It's just Google couldn't get to it. <laughs> so they had, yeah, they, they had everything was, was right except for what, one thing? And that prevented One tiny whole... little technical thing. Mm -hmm. Which all of these are big websites. This can happen a lot. Right. If you don't have devs who know technical SEO. You probably need a technical SEO on board just to make sure that as things change, because web pages, websites change all the time, that somebody doesn't do something that hides the content. So I'll give you another example. This is kind of dated, but here I am at, this is when I was at Ketchum was when I worked on this health IT.gov project. I was at, uh, working there and um, I was on the project for three years. Everybody over at HHS knew I was the SEO gal to talk to. And yet they did not talk to me. <laughs> and instead they decided to build out their dashboard for all their reporting and then they came back to me and was like, could we make sure there's analytics on this after the thing was built? Oh, geez. And it was built in Flash, which Google could not read. And of course, now is not loading at all because nobody's supporting it. Right. But yeah, you, I mean, you can build stuff that's... Fisheries had one of those where when I looked at one of their websites, it was just built in a way where there was no content visible to Google. You and I could see it, but that the way Google crawls and stuff, Google could not see the content. Jeez. That's taxpayer dollars wasted. Yeah. It's good stuff. You know? Right. Because it's not even like it's not ranked. It would like not show, right? Or would yeah. it? Yeah. It's not even yeah. low ranking. It's no like a notion. Like with the Flash, blank page. I remember back when Flash was popular, for yeah. a while there, Nike had a Flash website. And so I would <laughs> show Nike. everybody what it looked like to search in. It literally blank. Nothing there. Jeez. I remember the days yeah. of Flash. I no one's using that anymore, right? Like, didn't I, I essentially Google killed it? Yeah, none of the browsers have been supporting it. 
Yeah. Which when we were working with the feds, it was like, okay, how many of these things you got hanging out there that you need to <laughs> right. now code with something else, right? Because it literally won't even load for people. Yeah. Man. So so how knowing that all these terrible things could happen or maybe already happening right now, how should I approach this? How do I approach how how do people listening approach SEO? So I train a lot on SEO. In fact, I train all of my clients because I, even though I'm a uh, consultant, I feel like SEO should be owned internally because there's a lot of moving parts. Totally. Usually there's a lot of teams you have to coordinate. <laughs> um, and I, I help people hire SEO sometimes internally because that's how much I feel like it should be owned internally. Um, but the gist of it is, is that the foundation is the technical stuff. I just talked about it, right? Like mm -hmm. if you've foobarred that, then Google can't get to it. Then after that, it has to be quality content focused on what the user is looking for. They call it search intent in the search world. But um, that's where sometimes the feds go haywire too, because they write stuff and in their fed intent. language. And it, yeah, and it's yeah. not how people, real life people are searching for it. Or like, um, so an example from healthit.gov. So when we started, because the vendors were out there talking about electronic medical records, EMR, there was search volume around that. But there wasn't anybody searching for EHR because it was like a brand new concept, electronic health record. So it took me six months, some under a year to convince them to let me publish something with EMR on it. Cause you have to go where people are and then change their mind. So we wrote a blog post that was EMR versus EHR. What's the difference? And it was the top ranking blog post <laughs> and it changed people's mind. And we changed search volume over the three years of wow. the campaign. So EMR volume decreased and EHR volume increased, but That's they were very amazing. hesitant about putting that inaccurate term on their blog post. And I was like, you have to actually put the term out there and then talk about how it's inaccurate. Yes. And on a previous show with, uh, with Dr. Jim, we were talking about how, and he, I think he quoted uh, Tanya, that a lot of times marketers spend so much time justifying what they're going to do and explaining what they do. And then uh, they actually, then they actually do it is like 20% of the time. So you had yeah. to really battle to get them. They, was it just sort of like a, we, we can't have this old term on there. No, I mean, some of it's, the feds are interesting that way in relation mm. to uh, persuading them and how long it takes. So one of the other pieces of the campaign was paid ads because our target audience was physicians. Yeah. And Google even has the research out there. So physicians, 30% of them click on paid ads, which is ridiculous. Usually wow. for the rest of us, it's like, 4% or something. It's a very low number percentage wise. So I knew we had to run paid ads for physicians because they click on them. Um, and other folks had run paid ads in the HHS agency, largely CDC yeah. in particular. Um, and then we got their sister organization OCR to run some YouTube paid ads that went really well. YouTube uh, pay view ads, right? Yeah. And uh, it still took me about to the end of the contract to get them to turn on the paid ads. We did about Whoa. yeah three years. We did... Um, we brought them to our office. We took them to Google's office. Google went to their office. We took Google to our office. Like we kept repivoting our strategy to convince them to turn on this thing that was part of the original plan in the original proposal that they accepted. Shoot. And when we turned it on, it worked. <laughs> and then we got to see too, which folks kind of get a little confused about this, but it turns out that if you're on paid and organic at the same time on the same term, human beings think your organic listing is more legit so you get free organic clicks. You turn off your paid. Rankings can stay the same, but you will lose organic clicks. 
So at one point, the feds had a crisis and wanted us to oh, pause wow. paid ads. We literally saw it happen. And we regained it, even though the rankings didn't change, when we just turned the paid ads back on. So there's a lot of value to running paid along with organic. But yes, sometimes it takes a while to convince the feds of things. I had heard of that before. I had heard about you know, all the boats rise in the harbor. And yeah. part of me always wondered if it was just Google trying to sell you some more ads. But mm, I totally I that, that's the first time I've heard it explained. It, and, and I literally, did I do that today or yesterday? I was searching for something and then they had an ad, but then I went past the ad because we don't want to click on the ad. And I went right to like their first organic entry. And it, I feel like I was just a part of what you just described. Like I just yeah. literally did the organic click. And so it's not even like it's going to cost you and it's cheaper, right? I mean, branded, branded ads are so cheap. You are that keyword. So, you know, and some of the other stuff that makes it slow is, I mean, there's a tech queue for every single website that's larger. Right. And so when yeah. you come in and you've got this pile of SEO stuff, it has to be fit in with the rest of the other things they were going to make changes to on the website. So everybody's aware of that, but the feds may be a little bit longer. And then they all, they're kind of like nonprofits in that they don't want to offend each other. I think this yeah. has to do with my theory anyway, is that if you're employed by the federal government, you might be employed there your entire career, similar to nonprofit. So it's got a little bit more of a family vibe from yeah. coworkers to coworkers. And so you don't want to offend somebody you might be working with. I So I feel like there's a little bit more of that vibe going on. Um, so when I worked with uh, National Cancer Institute, and I did the assessment, I discovered they had 150 different subdomains run by different departments on different CMS systems in various yes. levels of, uh, you know, various levels of being updated. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Fisheries was worse when I actually looked at the entire, so fisheries is part of uh, NOAA. And when you look at the entire NOAA domain, they have 650 different subdomains and some of them are sub sub subdomains. Which I'd never seen before in my technical life. So anyway, there's herding cats is what I'm trying to say. Like, so everything on your website could potentially, like if you have malware on a subdomain, that could impact your main domain. So right. there's some level of like keeping it all updated and at least secure, right? So you don't mm -hmm. tank your main website. Yeah. Which is why federal websites need an internal SEO. That's a lot. There's just one element of a thousand things they would have to be involved in to kind of move the needle. I, I could, I totally see it. They, they uh, literally, they all need it. Right. And so they all need it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, SEOs are, it's still an industry where there's not a lot of people that know how to do it in general. It's kind of hard to find somebody who's a little bit more expert. Um, so I know of some federal agencies that have SEOs either as external contractors or internal, but they all need it. Man. So where does this go? Cause I know that SEO continues to evolve, right? And you can't do 1990s SEO strategies <laughs> in the present day. But I once, I once had a friend who, who got completely um, wiped off of Google. Her company did. And mm. she's like, where did it go? <laughs> it's yeah. still up. And I went to it and I, I scrolled nothing. I didn't, couldn't even tell. Scrolled down and then I saw this like, you know, there's a bunch of white space at the bottom of the page. Well, that's curious. Dragged over with my cursor. There's like 30,000 words and white text on a white background. 
hanging out, just keyword stuffing from the 90s. And, and they just had all of the old, old strategies that people might have tried, you know, a decade or two decades ago. And she'd gotten herself banned or p- penalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the feds run into that challenge because they don't even know what the latest stuff is that they need to stay up to date yeah. with. Um, what I found more interesting is how out-resourced they are. So um, so I kind of went through pieces of the, the whole SEO puzzle, but not all of them. So the, oh, yeah, the yeah, technical is pre- the foundation, right? And then yep. the content and then promotion. So people who need to know about you on the internet, partially just so that those crawlers can find you on the internet and like come in and find your website and your web pages. Yep. But then also Google has what's called a knowledge graph, which they use in ranking. So they understand how your brand fits in with other people, places, and things. So there's signals there with Wikipedia and stuff that you might want YouTube that you might want to tighten up and make sure that's accurate. So there's this, you know, web of the internet kind of piece that you have to hang on to. But then the last part, and that's the part that I feel like sometimes the feds might not be have, might not have the same uh, level of sophistication is usability. Google's been pushing on this a lot, partially because they want the web to be faster for actually climate change reasons. It burns a lot of carbon to run all those servers. But then they also want to make sure that things are um, accessible to everybody with disabilities. And you would think since the feds have a 508 compliance requirement that they would be, but they're not. Because if I find errors, like a lot of my errors are also ADA errors. So, you know, Um, and then there's just the uh, people will come back to your website if it's usable, right? <laughs> if your website's no, not usable, they'll bail on you. Just like a human thing. Um, but what the feds don't think of, because I think even feds think they have a special treatment with Google, is they don't think about the fact that ultimately when it comes to organic search, you have to be better than what's already ranking there. So you have to look. <laughs> you have to be like, I want to rank for uh, whitetail shark. And what is currently ranking for whitetail shark And especially for that term, there might be honestly images and video and stuff that's not even a web (laughs) page. But then you also might be up against some really uh, sophisticated other websites. So fisheries, for instance, had a video or sorry, a recipe website. Whoa, recipe is this whole other very competitive space online, it turns out. And yeah. And when Google ranks the recipe, so Google's using machine learning and has actually been able to use machine learning to come up with the perfect chocolate chip cookie recipe. This means that Google could also determine which recipes just are going to turn out well in general by using machine learning. Also, they really tie who has written the recipe, i.e. cooked it, to the recipe. So they're going to rank well-known based on the type of food, by the way, but well-known cooks to the recipe. So if you have some no-name whatever, write your recipe, you're probably not going to rank. And that's not even getting into all the other technical things to make the search snippet look cool like it does on recipes. You know, there's all that too. Right. But you have to know who you're up against. So like the feds, what, when I looked at recipes, there was only one, because <laughs> there's the USDA Choose My Plate site, which has recipes on it. So there's other w- recipes on the federal internet, uh, federal websites. But when I looked across all feds, I was just like, I wonder if anything is ranking across the feds <laughs> related right. to recipes. There is a Senate bean soup recipe that ranks. No way. Because it was created the Senate and whatever. So that one, that's out of all, however many recipes might be on federal published website. There's one. One. Well, yeah. you know, I, I guess my thought around that, oftentimes I think that's interesting. It's like government competing to try to get the, the visibility. If, if your brand or product or something 
is related to something and is also a government agency. I mean, how hard is it impossible? Do you need to rebrand if you're trying to compete against the government? I mean, we just heard that. No, no, I'm actually saying the, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that because the feds don't have SEOs, they are outmatched often. Interesting. So even if they have high domain authority, the content's usually not targeted very well, and they might have technical issues and some other things causing problems. So let me give you another example. So when I was working with National Cancer Institute, they had this big initiative to look at breast cancer in general. So I did the whole online part of breast cancer, which is kind of challenging to do, actually, because um, the tools let you look at data per website. But some of these, like National Cancer Institute has 260 different cancer types. So I don't want to know the entire website. I just want to know the breast cancer sliver. But then I want to put it up against American Cancer Society, which also has slivers. But then also the breast cancer, it's a breast cancer organization. It's like a nonprofit, right? Breastcancer.org. Okay. So anyway, stack these together and kind of come up with some data around how well they're performing. Mm. So the summary is in that space, you're also up against really well-resourced uh, health and medical websites. So WebMD today has been online since before Google and it's been doing SEO since before Google and <laughs> um, medical <laughs> medical news today has like 150 people in their network that have SEO in their title that work for them. They could all be contractors, but either way, there's a lot of people that say they know some SEO and then Healthline has a team of nine SEOs. And at that point, National Cancer Institute had nobody doing SEO internally. Yeah, yeah, they're like massively out-resourced. They're outgunned. Okay. And then you can look at like the software they're using, for instance, because obviously part of it is like smart brain power, but then the other part of it is maybe they've got some software to automate some stuff or whatever. Oh, cool. And you can look at job descriptions from these other organizations and usually figure that out or figure out what budget they have. Yeah, I knew you had a little program. gray hat in you. That's great. That's, great. <laughs> That's a little gray hat. But yeah, but it's, it's because <laughs> I need to convince them that they need to resource up. They're not going to magically rank. Right. And if the, so the takeaway was, I actually had to tell them, you're not going to rank for breast cancer. Let's reconfigure your keyword targets. You're probably also not going to rank for prostate cancer and lung cancer. Let's find the less competitive ones out of your 260 different types. That's interesting. Like they just are not going to rank because there's so many things talking about it. And they're they're well set up and well resourced and years. I think about and, the like, like the been, Coleman Foundation, right? The Susan. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have a whole they have a whole organization just focused on promoting that one type of cancer. Well, one percent of your donation goes toward our SEO efforts. <laughs> well, I mean, not that, but you know what I mean. Like more than two hundred sixty over here with National Cancer yeah. Institute, and nobody leading the charge. Yeah. How how do you let's say a senior level marketer you want to staff your organization to appropriately deal with SEO and capitalize on it. Is there, how, where do you start? How, how many people do you need? How do you, how do you build out a team internally? So if you're one of these large enterprise organizations, it's best to get somebody that's honestly meant to senior from the beginning, because a huge chunk of what you're going to be doing is soft skills work. Right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to change the internal work processes to include SEO. And that's a lot of just internal working with other folks to see if you can add some stuff to their workload and um, and even working with your C-suite to try to figure out if maybe you change everybody's job descriptions so that some there are some measurements related to SEO that they have to meet. Because if you think about it, you're up against a search-first organization like Healthline, 
where everything is driven by SEO. Everything. And they've been searched yeah. from the beginning. And you know their job descriptions have SEO type stuff in them. So that's what you eventually have to get people to on the Fed side, right? So, oh, because yeah. otherwise people aren't going to do it out of their you know, goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a thousand other things to do. So you have to figure yeah. out how to like get them to do some of the, that's the challenge with SEO is that most of the time you can't do it by yourself. You rely on all these different people across all these different teams. Um, you're constantly educating people and you're constantly meeting with the developers, the UX people, the social media people, your email, maybe your content people for sure. Right. There's just, you have your hands in a lot of different pockets. So yeah, because of the soft skills part, you would have to get somebody a little bit more senior out of the get go. Right. And then you can sort of supplement with, um, you know, maybe contractors and it depends on the, um, depends on the organization. So for these ones that I'm talking about, they have content teams. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to bring in an SEO person to like do the content. Cause it also needs to be subject matter expert anyway. Right. But there is all this upfront of like providing the writer with all of the data around what you would need to do to be better than what's already ranking. Right. Right. So that's a little bit of a data oriented SEO job. So okay. you could, they call it a content brief. You could come up with all the information, give it over to the writer. And then there's probably still a editing piece at the back end because the writer could just ignore what you gave them. Um, right. So then you got to come right. out at the end result with something that's more search friendly or more friendly to the user. So again, when I go back to national cancer Institute, I think one of the things that was pretty obvious about what they weren't doing is that when you looked at across all the other organizations and just saw the meta titles and descriptions that came through on the search snippets. So the stuff you see in search was really written to the end user with a lot of empathy. Because mm. just think about it. If you're diagnosed with cancer, you're flipping out, <laughs> to be honest. And when you saw these snippets, they were like, are you concerned? Not to worry, blah, blah, blah. They literally wrote to the the emotional part I love of that. that phase. Yeah. And you can you can just envision what the feds wrote. Right? It was very accurate, but it wasn't yeah. emotionally involved at all. Your body is currently fighting against you. You... Yeah, yeah, like you just, you know, I can't imagine that. Oh, okay, yeah, thanks, thanks, but it's not exactly breast cancer stage one. Is a blah 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 blah. Yeah. Right? It just, um, yeah, because they're just behind, right? Yep. Just years, years behind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's how I would end up building out a team. So I probably would not do like wouldn't buy hire content writers, and you probably wouldn't hire link builders. But you would hire somebody who could make sure that what you're doing promotion-wise is just coordinated with new published, new content being published and stuff. And then there could be odd other things. The technical is a, a big deal. So for um, National Cancer Institute, for instance, one of the things I noted out of the audit was that they had a um, a clinical trials section of their website that they wanted to grow, and it had a search function. So if you came to the website, you could search for a clinical trial related to your particular type of cancer near you and get okay. involved. Okay. Cool. But that was it for the landing page. It was just clinical trials. And because I had previous experience at a nonprofit doing very similar things, they kind of call it programmatic SEO, which is, you know, you think about SEO as you're building out your database. And when you build pages, it's with SEO in mind. So I said, let's pivot this so that every type of clinical trial, like cancer type, where you have information, we spin up a new landing page. So then suddenly you would have something that's sort of dynamically pre-populated with some content around liver cancer, clinical trials, and breast cancer, because hopefully some people get multiple cancers, <laughs> but most people start off with one. Um, and that way those things would start ranking in search. And it worked. They got wow. a ton more traffic once we launched that. 
Wow. But it's that kind of stuff. It's the programmatic SEO type stuff that would have to be uh, utilized as sort of a, a lever for them. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. And it implemented, it's not overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. It has to be. No. That one, I think, took nine months or a year to get yeah. through the queue to get it Jeez. Well, <laughs> Heather, like, who are you is my next question. Like, who are you? How do you know all these things? How Can you take me back in time? Little you days running around. Did you know you're going to be like... <laughs> Yeah, the absolute wizard queen of SEO um, with your white, yeah. lightly gray hat. Um, <laughs> so I, I have a funny little kid story, actually. Probably yeah. more little kid type stories that, uh, than other other guests. But actually, so I planned my first conference when I was 13. I was a big 4-H'er. I planned this 4-H <laughs> conference for 200 kids on a weekend. I negotiated with a hotel, got a room block. Got oh, no, this is a real conference. Yeah, it was the first 4-H teen conference in Maine. <laughs> Wow. She, wow. Okay. So this and is. And then the, by the time I was geez. 16, I started my own nonprofit called the Rainforest Challenge. And I got grant funding and we developed an email list and we did shows and we were speakers at the first International Youth Environmental Summit in Lubbock, Colorado. And I wrote a curriculum. Jeez. So by the time I left um, high school, I had planned two national conferences through 4 H. Um, so I've been doing the marketing stuff for a long time. For a minute. And then I lucked out because when I went to college, my freshman year, 94, they had a build your own website class. And okay. I thought that seems like fun. Cool. Because um, when I was 13, because you get, I grew up in Maine. There's a lot of snow there. <laughs> you get very bored in the winter. And my mom, for whatever reason, decided that she should get us a Commodore 64. So my, me and my brother spent hours hand coding probably in C plus plus or something wow. um, to get the machine to like moo like a cow and just pay. You couldn't save either. It was just pages and pages of coding. Talk about boredom. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so in 94, I took this build your own web page class, put my website up there, put the curriculum online. Um, and then you would think from there, I would just be like, boom, into SEO. But it took me a while. I, um, I came to DC through National 4-H. I was an intern there. And was still doing marketing type stuff. And then I ended up going to Georgetown and focused on tech marketing and business. Um, but uh, I was still working full time the entire time. Um, and I ended up at Points Light Foundation. And I was director of marketing and sales for 1-800-volunteer.org. And I had a sales quota. And they had built this system, home-built CMS system, and the software to help manage volunteers. And they'd promised it to 100 volunteer centers and they were a year behind <laughs> and the thing was broken and nobody knew how it was supposed to work. <laughs> right. So anyway, my sales was my focus that I had a quota. So I was really, really just marketing brochure stuff for sales. Anyway, did that for almost a year, I think. And then um, the CFO, cause we were having trouble keeping the website up and the CFO came in one day and said, we are not on Google. Why are we not on Google? I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know. Cause my previous SEO was like, 12 page HTML website kind of stuff. Right. Like, but this beast, I have no idea. I was like, but you know, send me to search engine strategy, Chicago, which totally dates me because the show's not around anymore <laughs> and I will figure it out. <laughs> and back in the day, they had these big audit sessions and 300 people in a ballroom and they got folks on the panel that are experts who wants their website looked at. I'm like the first one up and they're like, well, we can see a couple things off the bat. One, it was a phone number. You could call it. Okay. So we had a URL with dashes, one without the dashes. They're like, we can see you're doing a bunch of redirects at the same time, which is odd. But one of the ways you're doing it is the way porn sites do it, which might <laughs> Google might frown on. <laughs> That's 
Good to know. Uh, and then the second part is they're like, so every website has a robot text file or can have a robot text file on it, which is basically sure. a text file that tells the spiders whether or not they should crawl the website or what folders you want them to crawl. You've told Googlebot to go away. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> so I spent the week creating a plan and falling in love with SEO um, and part of the plan was the landing pages, the whole like volunteer opportunity part where I am looking to volunteer in an animal shelter in McLean, Virginia part. I was very far removed from. So I sold to a volunteer center. They got a website. They put a nonprofit, the animal shelter onto the system. And the animal shelter is the one who put the content in and the volunteer center approved it. I could not touch it. Wow. So in order for me to fix that end landing page, which was the whole purpose of the entire SEO strategy, <laughs> um, I had to train these volunteer centers on SEO. And a lot of them were women right coming out of retirement or about to retire. So I kind of joke that I got my start training grandmothers on SEO. Heck yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the, a lot of it, a lot of it stuck. They fell in love with it. And uh, that was it. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing SEO ever since. I haven't oh, looked man. back. Amazing. Training hundreds of grandmothers. I'll hire a grandmother SEO right now. hundred <laughs> percent. Totally. Uh, we know who gets things done around here, right? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not grandpa. He's chilling. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I like the space because it changes yeah. a lot. It turns out I, if I've, I've had jobs where I don't get to learn new stuff in my, in my career history, those are death for me. Yeah. Um, but a job where I have to constantly figure things out and learn new stuff, turns out that's, that's my jam. That's it right there. That's the jam. Man, um, bit of a hypothetical question for you, actually, next. Yeah. Uh, because, see, I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. So mm -hmm. let's say you come visit, we get some beers, some lobster, and we get the chance to just mess around with the time machine. You get to go back in time, and you get to – it's a particular kind of time machine. You get to meet yourself – Back at, a couple days after graduating, undergrad, right? You get to meet yourself out of school. You just graduated, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, but at the same time, super experienced from all these other things you've been doing before H and whatnot. What do you tell yourself? What kind of things would you relay to yourself? So I went to a weird undergraduate. It's called Hampshire College in Western Massachusetts in Amherst, uh, and it has no grades, no tests, no credits. And part of the reason I went is because all that stuff I was talking about, the nonprofit stuff, I never got credit for. And right. all the uh, 4-H stuff I was doing, all the National Planning Committee stuff where I learned how to create my first strategic marketing plan <laughs> um, and do a SWOT analysis, all of that was not approved as an educational outing. So I came within like a day of losing part of my grain point average because I was going to all these National Planning Committees and stuff. So by the time I left high school, I was annoyed that I'm doing yeah. all this academic stuff that's I'll not say. Yeah. <laughs> involved in my academic, or I'm not getting credit for it at all, and I'm getting penalized for it. So anyway, Hampshire lets you do all that kind of stuff, but you build your own curriculum. Basically, you build your own education there. Um, but when I left, I was very concerned about whether or not it would be, um, you know, you just not, you're not leaving with any grades. Uh, so you don't have a GPA and stuff. So I was kind of worried about how that would serve me later. But it turns out that because it was multidisciplinary, you have to do a lot of your own self-learning. Um, 
it was fine. I ended up going to Georgetown and the program I went to is a multidisciplinary program. So they they loved the portfolio that I brought. And it was perfect for SEO because what I do with SEO is multidisciplinary. I have to know content. I have to know promotion. I have to know UX. I have to know technical. You know, it's yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, nowadays looking back on, you know, hiring conversations, uh, nowhere does GPA really factor in unless maybe it's someone straight out of school. But all you have to do is say, I have no GPA, but let me tell you about this conference that I just planned. I'm like, I, I don't need to know your GPA at that point. Like, let's go. That's that well, so really louder, wanted, right? Yeah, I thought I really wanted to go to Cornell for my graduate work. Um, and so I met because I knew I had this numbers problem. I met with them to like talk about my background and they were like, you'd be a great part person for this program, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, well, I have this little numbers program problem. And they're like, yeah, yeah your application wouldn't make it past the trash bin. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. George got me instead. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Cornell. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then ironically, I've done a Cornell certificate. They have a women entrepreneurship certificate. So I, right. I have a Cornell reference now on my. <laughs> they saved themselves because I was just about to trash all universities <laughs> and colleges. <laughs> it was a good program. Now, but yeah. we'll, we'll let them survive one more day. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, where do people, where do you want people to go when they want to reach out, connect you, hire you? Who's the right person to talk to you? Like, can they, can they hire you to help with SEO? What kind yeah, of things can, so, you, can you do? So for the last, Last seven years, I've been running uh, a uh, organic traffic consultancy called WO Strategies. So you can find us at WOStrategies.com. We primarily focus on large enterprise-sized science-focused websites because, okay. as you've probably heard me talk, there's no magic mix to make sure that good science ends up in Google. And I'm very passionate about trying to make sure good science could end up in Google. Um, so you can find me there. I'm also uh, still on Twitter. <laughs> I've been on Twitter for a while, and even though it seemed like it's crashing and burning. Um, but there's it's K-W-A-T-I-E-R there. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, and then I have two podcasts. One has been a little bit in retirement with the pandemic, but I have an SEO tips, flash briefing, and micro podcast. And then I also have a regular digital marketing victories podcast where I'm the host. And we do um, an interview just about once a month looking at talking about the soft skills of digital marketing, the part that I think is the hard part. I, I would agree. That is the hard part. Yeah. And I don't think the industry talks about it enough or it helps people enough to figure out how to get better soft scope. No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we will link to all the fun places in the show notes. And I just have to say, thank you so much for coming on here, s sharing stories that I can learn from schooling me up on, uh, levels of detail. I didn't know about, uh, why the organic well, paid works together, all these things. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And if anybody wants to hire a female SEO, that's not me. There is this women in tech SEO group that has all of these very smart female SEOs. Oh yeah. What's it or called? If you have a podcast and you want another female SEO on board, there's a bunch of us hanging out there. It, what's it called? The group? Women in tech SEO. It's women an international group okay, of cool. women doing. We SEO. will link whoop, whoop, to that. So if you want to click yeah. through, boom. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, so yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. This has yeah, been fun. This was fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. So if you're listening to this and you learned something, because I know you did, because I went to school just now, but the good kind, the kind that doesn't have any credits, the kind that doesn't have any grades, uh, which is how <laughs> all, all schools should be. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> if you did learn something, share this episode, share this school classroom with someone else. Uh, so they can learn too and don't fall into the same traps that some of these government websites fell into. With that, Catherine, thank you again for coming on here. You're welcome. All Thanks right, everyone. Me.
This has been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time. 